0: From time to time, I bring out some of my stories that shame me, but listen, it was pre-Christ, amen? This is one of those times uh, that a story comes out that is pre-Christ. I remember uh, with my friends at university, um, a few of us uh, was beginning to get our driver's licenses. Um, One of us got a car. There was about seven of us, and there was one car between seven people. Um, I don't know how we fit, but sometimes we just had to just make do with what we had. Can you say amen in this place? Uh, But the owner of the car, there was one point, the owner of the car at one point went on a a holiday for a week or two weeks, I believe it was. uh, And he left his car keys at home. And of course, uh, you know, us guys... uh, uh, we didn't have our licenses at the moment. We didn't have insurance, obviously. Uh, but he left his car keys. So, so what do you do? Take the car keys, obviously, right? So we took the car keys. Um, and uh, I remember one of the guys uh, who, who's never driven before, he thought, let me jump in the car. And there's a term for this. It's called joyriding. Um, I don't know why they call it joyriding because it makes it sound all cute and funny and stuff, but that's actually theft. <laughs> um, uh, it's what it is, and, and you know, driving illegally and so on and so forth. But what made it worse, uh, and it's as the guy jumped in the car, uh, you know, he said, "We're going to go on a joyride." They began the joyride, crashed the car, and the joy left. <laughs> The joy was gone. It was just a ride and I, th- I thought about that term joyride, because you know we, we throw out that word "joy" many times, uh, but there 's many times a misunderstanding of what joy actually is. so this morning, I want to kind of give us a synopsis about what joy is, uh, where it comes from. Uh, uh, and, and why we have it, what it's supposed to do in a sermon entitled, uh, The Instruction Manual for Joy. Amen. And it just so happens that our, our sound woman is called Joy this morning. Amen. Coincidence? or oh, God designed it that way. Hey, we'll find out. Amen. Uh, we're going to read Acts chapter 8. Uh, she looks embarrassed now, but hey, sometimes we've got to do that. Acts chapter 8. Uh, we're going to read from verse... Uh, Number four, it says here, if you follow along with me, it says, "'Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. "'Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. "'And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip.' Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. And it says in verse number nine, it says, But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming, to be, claiming that he was someone greater. To whom they all gave heed, uh, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them uh, with with his sorceries for a long time. When they believed Philip, uh, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. uh, And Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip uh, and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs uh, which were done." The instruction manual for joy. The first thing I want to look at here is the results of the gospel. You see, because we've got a bit of background here. We've got Philip. He isn't one of the uh, original apostles, uh, the, one of the 12 disciples. He isn't one of those. Uh, uh, the Bible describes him as just a disciple uh, who is actually tasked to uh, lay out or serve tables or serve food on tables. But one of the prerequisites was you need to be of good report, you need to be wise and faithful filled with the Holy Spirit. So when a believer is filled with the Holy Spirit, they don't just serve tables. Amen. They do all that God has called them to do. And this is what happened with Philip. There was a time where the church was persecuted and the disciples went all over the region. He was one of them and he preached in this place called Samaria. And this was the first time non-Jewish people heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Philip came and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you, do that, you preach the true gospel of Jesus Christ, and the true gospel is received, the outcome of that is joy, true joy, because when you understand that when you meet Jesus Christ, you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, there is an outflow of something from the inside, and that is true joy. And it's not just the receiving where joy comes, it's also the one who is ministering joy comes as well I'm reminded of Luke 10 and verse number 17 it says then the 70 when Jesus sent out those disciples says the 70 returned with joy saying Lord even the demons are subject to us in your name and as a believer of Jesus Christ this morning I don't know if you if you agree with me or not as a believer of Jesus Christ this morning you should have joy who should who agrees with me this place Come on now, amen. You should have joy. If Jesus is your Lord and personal savior, there should be something in us. Well, what is joy? What is joy? Is joy happiness? You see, because some people spend a lot of their time trying to look for happiness. And if your life is all about trying to find happiness or trying to be happy all of the time, you are setting yourself up for a fool. Because sometimes, listen, happiness can run away from you. Somebody said this, you want to be miserable, go out and try and find happiness every single day. The search won't end because you try and find something to make you happy. And when you find that, you'll realise that the happiness doesn't come from that. You'll try and find something else. And there'll be a continual search until you find this elusive happiness. So people get joy and happiness mixed up. You now, what about a story about a man who was going through life and many things weren't working out for him. Uh, he was applying for jobs, wasn't getting any, uh, he wasn't having any uh, relationship uh, 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 success with the, the girl that he wanted to marry. There was going on rocky terms. There was things around him. Everything was just going wrong. Studies at the time was, was hard. And he got to a point where he was so miserable, he wanted to find happiness. So he decided to say, I'm gonna pack up everything and move to Florida. Florida. Now, I've never been to Florida, but that sounds happy right there. Come on now. Especially the weather, because this weather in, the, in this country, is, I'm tired of it. But hey, listen, God saved me here. God, I was born here. Hey, Who knows? But he wanted to move to Florida. So he did that. He decided, I'm going to be happy, and I'm going to move to Florida. He wanted to leave everything. And his father said, listen, I don't want you to go, but if you're going to go, I'm going to give you this letter. And he says, don't open the letter until you get to Florida. So he says, fine, I'm going to put it in my pocket. He gets to Florida. He goes and he gets, he tries to set up, stop. He starts to realise the life that he had back home is actually similar to the life that he's now having in Florida. He's still carrying this misery with him. He's still not really finding what he wants to find. Then he remembers the letter that his dad gave him. He sits on the beach and opens that letter and it says, son, you are 1,500 miles from home and you don't feel any different, do you? I knew you wouldn't. When you learn the lesson, come home, we'll be waiting for you. <laughs> Because you're trying to find happiness, you're trying to find this thing, and you have to realize that people have got joy and happiness kind of mixed up. I want to look at two definitions for you. First of all, joy, and this is a definition from the Vines Dictionary, a biblical dictionary of New Testament words. It says, joy is to be cheerful or to be calm or to be glad, You see, a person who has joy has a real reason to feel calm. They're glad about something. And the reason is, or the the reason they have is a product of their joy. They have something to be glad about, something to be calm about. You see, when you understand what Jesus Christ has done, you understand that he has conquered death. That means whatever situation has happened around you, you can still be calm because you understand what Jesus Christ has done. Compare that to the dictionary or dictionary.com uh, definition. It says joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. You see, biblical joy brings security. Biblical joy brings a solid foundation regardless of what actually happens in life. Biblical joy comes, all from the Father of lights. Biblical joy allows us to experience something that is above the superficial, experience something that is above the external. And this is what Jesus Christ came to bring. Look at Luke chapter two, and we read from verse number eight here. The Bible says, now they were in the same place country of shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night and behold an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid and verse number 10 says then the angel said to them do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Of course we know this is the story of the Nativity story when Jesus is entering in the world, and he says, "I bring good tidings of great joy. This joy we have is something that can consume us. This joy we have is something that should be the testimony of every single Christian, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes, dare I say, Christians cannot have the joy. We have said joy is the result of sharing the gospel, sharing the message of Jesus Christ, receiving that. But sometimes you can look at society, dare I say, sometimes you can look at a fellowship like this and look around and say, where is the joy? Look at people's face and say, what happened to joy what happened to the joy that we should experience, the joy that we should have in our life? Because I want to look closely or secondly, that joy can be stolen. Joy can be taken from us. Joy can be taken away. It can be stolen from you. And even to the point where you don't even know that it had been stolen. Sometimes it can be just snuck up on you like that. You know, there's an illustration I read of a man. He's a professional pickpocket. <laughs> what that means is um, um, he used to be a criminal and now he's changed his ways, uh, but he's still doing criminal activities, but for the right reason. I don't know how it works, but he's a professional pickpocket. He goes around giving uh, tours and speaks uh, about uh, how people get pickpocketed and he's there talking to people uh, and he's just shaking their hand and so on. And as he shakes his hand, the guy doesn't know, he's just taking their watch. As he turns him around, he, he feels his and he takes his wallet and so on and pickpockets all the time. Uh, and he's saying, listen, I'm doing this because people need to be aware that people around you can steal stuff without if you even know it. People around you can take things from you without you even recognising. And then all of a sudden, you go to look for your wallet. And you're like, where's my wallet gone? And now you're in something. Well, that's a picture of joy also. You could be walking in the joy of the Lord. But all of a sudden, you get round some people. All of a sudden, the circumstance comes up. And you realise joy is gone. You realise something has been taken from you. In our text, we have two men that carry influence. The first is Philip. And he is the representative of the kingdom of God. He comes with the uh, the gospel on his lips. He comes under the power of the Holy Spirit, miracles, signs and wonders. The Bible says the result of that is great joy, but we also have another person that carries influence and it is Simon. He is as the Bible says a sorcerer. Or if you're where I'm from, the juju man. Come on now. The witch doctor. The guy that does all sorts of divination, he is that guy. Well, one brings joy, the other steals joy. And if you look at verse number nine here, it says, but there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria. And that's a word astonished. The people can also be translated as bewitched the people or held them in sort of a bondage to kind of manipulate them. You see, how many of the Bible says that the devil is a thief in this place? How many people know that? John 10:10 10, 10 says that the thief comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. If you have joy, if you have joy in your life, the enemy wants to come and steal that away. So there's no more joy, no more peace. He wants to come. and if you're living in this place, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, but there's no joy, there's no peace. My friend, you have been robbed. You have been robbed. The enemy has done something to steal your joy and there are many ways that the enemy can steal your joy. First of all, obvious is sin. Come on, if we live a life where sin is tolerated, We live a life where we're doing things. We name the name of Jesus Christ, but we still do things as the world. We still do some sinful things. There's things that we do on a weekend. There's things, dare I say, people have done last night. That probably shouldn't have been a coincidence with what we're doing here today. There's things that we do through the week that can take away when you get involved in sin. That is something that allows the enemy to steal your joy. Listen, Psalms 51. We sing a song. I think we sing it once here before. It says, creating me a clean heart. Anyone heard that song before? Creating me a clean heart. Well, it's taken from Psalms 51. and Psalm 51, verse number 12, uh, Psalmist David writes here, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He's asking for a restoration. He's asking God, I need you to bring back something that I have lost. I need the restoration of the joy of your salvation. When did he write this, this psalm? When did he write this or pen these words? When was he asking for joy to come back? We know the Bible tells us that this psalm was written when he was repentant or, or feeling sorry for what he did. to Bathsheba, killed her husband, took her himself and, 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 and slept with her and they had a child and it all went wrong. He allowed sin to come in his life. And he says in this psalm, I need you to restore the joy because my joy is gone when I was involved in that listen when you're involved in sin sin steals joy but salvation brings it back that's why he's saying restore the joy of your salvation another way another way the devil steals your joy is condemnation how many know you can't feel joy and condemned at the same time doesn't work you can't feel joyous, you can't feel uh, uh, this 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 spring inside of you when you feel condemned. You may have done something wrong, you may have uh, like we just talked about sin, you may have been involved in something, but now you have been you feel condemned. Listen, uh, the devil is so wicked that he would be the one uh, to tempt you to do things. He'll be the one to say come, do this. Come, try this. Would you experience that? And as soon as you begin to fall for the temptation, as soon as you begin to con- sinner or you fall into sin he'll change his clothes change his attire and say how dare you do that look at you well I thought you as a Christian he is the tempter but then he quickly becomes the accuser and now you're feeling condemned shame and guilt can steal your joy. But look at Romans 4 verse number 7, it says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. The great joy in being forgiven, being right with God, joy comes from understanding that Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty for our sins. Great joy is realised when we understand that there is no condemnation to those that in Christ Jesus. But when you feel condemned, when you feel guilty, your joy has been sapped away. Another way your joy can be stolen from you, of course, is circumstances. You see, real joy has nothing to do with circumstances. Real joy comes from somewhere inside. It comes from somewhere eternal. Look at Isaiah chapter 12, verse number 2. It says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord is my strength and uh, and and song. He has also become my salvation. Therefore, with joy uh, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. When we're looking at the well of salvation, we're pointing to something internal. We're pointing to something internal, signifying that joy comes from internal, but many times we are focused on the external, and the enemy can steal our joy based on things that are coming from the external. So things can happen to you, things can overwhelm you, and all of a sudden your joy has been sapped away. Listen, I remember listening to a sermon from Pastor Greg Mitchell, and he talked about how the devil comes to overwhelm you. Do you know that when something happens bad in your life it's not just one thing usually something happens and after that something else happens and after that on top of that something else happens and the devil will try and use overwhelming circumstances for you to look at the external and your joy when you're focused on the external can be sapped away it is a tool of the enemy when we focus on those things we can become distracted and before you know it we're robbed of our joy robbed of our peace. But I love the Apostle Paul. Philippians 4, verse number 4, familiar portion of scripture. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say what? Rejoice. Rejoice. And for those of you theologians out there, for those of you uh, Bible scholars out there, you understand the situation he was in when he penned those words. You understand that he was bound in chains when he was telling the people of uh, uh, Philippi to say, listen, you should rejoice always in any situation. He was in prison and we understand prison today, uh, you know, it's still not a nice place. But listen, there is sanitation there today. There is communication there today. There is food. There is There is even, you know, entertainment there in prison today. But in those days, it was a hole in the ground. Literally dug a hole in the ground and also he was on death row waiting to experience death. And despite all of that, he was able to tell somebody, listen, you need to rejoice. Have joy in your life. Don't look at the external circumstances. Have joy in your life. The next way the devil is able to steal joy is conflict. Conflict is the absence of peace. Have you ever met those people that are always fighting, just always fighting with everybody, fighting with their wife, fighting fighting with their husband, fighting with their kids, fighting with people at work, fighting with people around them, fighting with total strangers, fighting with people in the other car next to them, always conflict and you get around these people, there's no joy there. Can't be happy about anything, always vexed, always angry, because conflict it brings out, the enemy allows to steal joy or steal peace when you're in conflict, when you're always in trouble, when you're always looking for, the, for a fight to pick with somebody. This is how the devil can steal joy. This is how the devil can come and take what God has placed in your life. But I want to talk finally about joy being our strength. Look at Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 10. The Bible says, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions for those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh, I thank God for that joy. Because what that says to me is that when I have joy, I am strong. But it also says, uh, if I don't have joy, then I am weak. Come on, and you can understand that. When uh, the enemy has come and has been able to take joy away, you Feel weak even physically we understand that sometimes the way people can think can even play out in our own bodies and all of a sudden our immune system starts to break down all of a sudden things start to happen you start to get all sorts of, of things uh, happen to you but listen when you have the joy of the Lord the Bible says that joy is your strength you're able to carry on another day when you can rejoice regardless of your circumstances you're able to lift your head up high when people are backbiting, saying things about you, you're able to stand up tall. When the enemy is trying to trip you up, because the joy of the Lord can be your strength. Maybe you're here tonight or here this morning, and you feel weak, you feel run down. Feel run down. Can I say you should be? Or take Paul's advice: rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say: rejoice. We should wake up every single morning and say, I'm going to take the strength today. I'm going to be joyful today, regardless of what's in the bank account. Can you say amen in this place? Come on, regardless of what people have said at work, regardless that I just got that email that says, unfortunately, we regret to inform you, you have not been successful. Well, I'm going to walk in strength because the joy of the Lord is my strength. It doesn't come from the job, it doesn't come from the boyfriend or girlfriend, it doesn't come from this world. The joy that produces strength can only come from the Lord. Can you say amen in this place? Come on, when we understand that, nobody can take that away from you. When you understand that, they can bind you in chains. Right now, we're free to preach the gospel. We're free to serve Christ. But there's going to come a day where people are going to try and persecute you. When you understand that is the joy that gives you strength, they can do whatever they want to, throw the book at you. They can slander you, persecute you. But when you have the joy of the Lord, nothing can keep you down. Can you say amen in this place? This is the secret to the Christian life. Because many people will preach to you, listen, you should come and when you give your life to Jesus Christ, nothing will ever go wrong for you. Who believes that? Jesus didn't say that. Jesus actually said, listen, you're going to have tribulation. It will come. guarantee. There's a few things I can guarantee for you. Taxes, tribulation and death. I, I can guarantee that to you. But I'm not saying that to depress you. I'm saying that despite those things, you can still have joy. Despite those things, you can still walk. But what I want to say is that this is a supernatural spiritual battle. We need to fight for joy. It is a battleground. It requires awareness. It requires spiritual warfare because the devil is always seeking for that opportune time to come in and take away your joy. And the story in our text, it continues. You know, the people get saved. They believe the word of Philip. Uh, It's a a fantastic time. The Bible says the whole city was filled with joy. And as uh, they lay hands on the people, uh, the apostles came, sorry. They lay hands on the people. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Simon the sorcerer, he saw this uh, and he says, listen, the stuff that you're doing, you're laying hands on people. They're getting filled with the Spirit. I will give you money so I can have that power. And this is Peter's response to Simon. It says in verse number 20 of Acts chapter 8, He says, Peter said to him, "'Your money perish with you "'because you thought that the gift of God "'can be purchased with money. "'You have neither part nor portion in this matter, "'for your heart is not right in the sight of God. "'Repent therefore of your wickedness "'and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart "'may be forgiven you. "'For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness "'and bound by iniquity.'" Now, Peter's response on the surface doesn't really make sense. Why did he have that much of a rebuke? You know, he could have just said, listen, we don't need money. This is free. This is what we do. No, no, but he understood something, that Simon still wants to try and get power over the the people. In other words, the enemy will still try and get power. Power and still try and take the joy away from you. He wanted that power so he can then uh, 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 bewitch the people again. So the devil gives us a picture of what the devil is like. He will try and try again to try and take your joy, try and take the peace that you have, but you can shut the door to the enemy. The Bible says we'll resist the devil and he will flee from you. We need to stand today and fight for the joy of the Lord so we can stand up tall, stand up strong. We need to say, listen, whatever situation is around us, I'm not going to let this take my joy. I'm not going to let this take my peace. You know how many have been in that situation? You've got the joy of the Lord. You're walking strong. You get one phone call and everything just turns upside down. Listen, we need to anticipate that phone call. That no, no, no Whoever calls, could be the bailiff, could be the county court, could be your mother-in-law. Amen. Listen, if they call and something's bad is happening, don't let that take your peace, take your joy I've always said if somebody's on the phone and all they've got is bad news wickedness sometimes you just need to hang up the phone saying God bless you listen right now you're trying to take my joy I'm not gonna let you do that I'll speak to you tomorrow when you've got more better things to say God bless you hang up the phone because don't let no one take the peace and the joy that God gave you that is your right that is your birthright as a son and daughter of Jesus Christ can you say amen in this place look at John 15 verse number nine This is Jesus speaking. He says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And he says these things in verse number 11. He says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. It's a sad state when I see somebody who proclaims to be a follower of Christ who doesn't have the fullness of joy. It's a sad state because Jesus came that your joy may be full. And if you're here and you can't say, I have the joy, listen, you need to take back, you need to go to the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from you. You need to go right there to the gates of the enemy and possess that because the joy of the Lord is what's going to strengthen you. Whatever thing, whatever situation is looming over us right now, whatever situation has caused you, even this morning, maybe you spoke to somebody, maybe you had a conversation before you entered into this building and all of a sudden, joy and peace had left you. Well, now time or is the time for it to be restored. Now is the time for it to be safeguarded, that no one or nothing can take that joy again. No one can step in and take the peace that surpasses all understanding no one can take that Jesus came that your joy may be full and as we all have fullness of joy we have strength and as we have strength we're able to overcome the plans of the enemy we're able to do what God has called us to do listen it's the joy of the Lord that's going to allow us to do what God has called us to do the instruction manual for joy listen I'm not saying that you're going to be happy all the time you have to make that distinguish. Happiness happy, Happiness can come and go. Listen, I, it, it, yesterday uh, uh, my, my family came back, they went they came, went to Derby, they came back. Uh, uh, I was happy. They brought me a supermo. Amen, I was happy. Uh, I drank the supermot. this morning, I woke up. there's no more supermo in the fridge. I wasn't very happy. Happiness can come and go. Come on, you don't say happiness can come and go. You might be happy, someone you see something is happy, you see something else is not very happy. These things can go up and down, but that is not connected to joy. Joy is something that is what what gets you up. And joy is what keeps you up. Joy is what keeps you rejoicing, regardless of what happens. Many times you see in the book of Acts, these guys are persecuted, and right after the persecuting, they're rejoicing. What makes you do that? Nothing external, is something internal. And we need to remember that this morning. I believe God is speaking to people today, this morning. They need to remember that it is the joy of the Lord that's going to be your strength. Come on, let's give him praise in this place this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. On, let's bow our heads. I want to pray this morning with you.